Welcome to the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, the sports director of Sports Talk Florida. Joining me, as always, Joe Henderson and Ira Kaufman. And uh, you're listening, by the way, to this podcast on sportstalkflorida.com and blogtalkradio.com. Gentlemen, two massive games this week. One in, uh, has a state team ranked number two in most of the polls. Facing a Louisville team, which at times in the past has been, and correct me if I'm wrong, a total pain in their rear ends. So, Joe, you've been around FSU football for quite a while. Uh, Louisville has at times caused them grief. (laughs) Oh, tell me about it. There was uh, one night in particular that I remember that uh, we go to Louisville. We, I mean, when I say we, I mean the press corps. I was not part of the Florida State team. But uh, we we went to uh, Louisville, and it was a monsoon. And it was a Thursday night game. And it rained basically all day, like, you know, Noah's Ark type of rain. Rained up into the game. Uh, rained after the game um and louisville beat florida state that night in overtime and um that was you know back when bobby bowden was coaching and and of course so florida state was highly ranked and highly favored um and this is a game that um saturday at noon that if I'm obviously Florida State is, is taking Louisville very seriously, and they should. Louisville's tenth ranked in the country. I watched them last week just annihilate Syracuse on the road, and they've they've got their they've got a dynamic player in sophomore quarterback Lamar Jackson, probably the best quarterback that hasn't quite gotten on your radar yet. But if you were watching the the game or the highlights uh, last week, you'll remember how he essentially jumped over a Syracuse defender uh, on a way uh, on his way to score a touchdown. He finished the game. He set an uh, Atlantic Coast Conference record with uh, 610 yards of total offense in that game. So the Seminole defense had better bring it uh, and bring it hard because if they come out and stumble around like they did uh, in the first half against uh, Ole Miss, they're going to get beat. It's just that simple. Ari, what are you going to be looking for in that game? Well, things are about to be very interesting uh, for Seminole Nation, uh, Jim. Now, I believe Louisville two years ago uh, was up big on uh, Jameis Winston's Knowles at halftime. Uh, and as is, was their custom that particular year, which was Winston's sophomore season, uh, FSU won five games that year when they trailed at halftime, and Louisville was one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, another great comeback in that game. As Joe said, Lamar Jackson putting up crazy numbers, absolutely nuts. They're averaging 840. Uh, they, they gained 845 yards, Joe, Syracuse against them, and 62 points. Uh, the Knowles will be missing uh, Derwin James, uh, one of the premier uh, defensive backs in, in the nation. Uh, 
But having said all that, gentlemen, um, I'm not going against the Knowles in this game. Uh, they showed their medal uh, against the Rebels uh, week one. Uh, Demarcus Walker is a beast on the pass rush. Uh, and, Joe, I would suggest that DeAndre Francis, uh, who has played all of uh, two games, uh, has shown me enough to think that uh, he could put up uh, 30 or 40 points uh, on the Cardinals. So it's a heck of a way to start off uh, a good college football weekend. Um, I believe the Knolls are favored, Jim, by a couple of yep. points. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of respect uh, for the Seminoles. They're number two for a reason. Um, but it's going to be interesting because, as Joe is going to be quick to mention, uh, on the horizon uh, are the Bulls of USF. Of course, Clemson down the line, the Gators down the line. Uh, this is no easy cakewalk uh, for the Knowles if, if they want to reach the uh, national title game in Tampa. You're right, Ira. I mean, there's no question about it. One other thing is that I know when you say Louisville, most of the people think of Rick Pitino, but um, what they've done at Papa John Stadium there in Louisville, it's not anywhere near as big, obviously, as Dope Campbell, but it is uh, somewhat intimate uh, as college football stadiums go. It seats a little over 50-some-odd thousand people, but it is loud. And it is an incredibly boisterous crowd that they've built there. So, uh, you know, playing under hostile conditions, I think, will be very interesting uh, for FSU come uh, come Saturday. But I kind of like the idea, frankly, that it's a noon game and not a night game. Uh, crowds get into it. Teams are a little bit, you know, fresher. It's not a sight game. You get up, you play the game, and, and basically... Uh, by four o'clock, you're ready to, you know, hit the showers and and then hit the bus and in the airport. So, the games that you don't get as many upsets. I don't know what the reason is, but you certainly don't get as many upsets for games that start at the twelve o'clock time as you normally do for games that start later in the day or at night. Hey Jim, one point that Henderson made, uh, which was a great one uh, after the uh, Ole Miss uh, comeback. Um, and it goes often unnoticed, is, uh, Joe, the, uh, the ability of Jimbo Fisher uh, may be unparalleled uh, on the college football landscape to make in-game adjustments, Joe. He, he's, he's tremendous at it. Uh, he figures out how that team is hurting them on both sides of the ball. And um, they're a different team in the second half, FSU. Time and again, this is a pattern. Um, they perfected it that second year with Jameis Winston. Uh, they did it again in the season opener, Joe. So a lot of times FSU looks sloppy uh, through two quarters. Uh, they got great athletes, and if they get a little direction, which Fisher gives them, uh, they really are adept at turning things around. Well, he is certainly one of the premier coaches in the country. I don't think anybody would dispute that. Uh, it's interesting about uh, Jimbo. Uh, every year, uh, it seems like you hear that LSU is going to fire less miles and hire Jimbo Fisher. Like, you know, you would order lunch or something. Yeah, we're going to hire Jimbo Fisher. Um, the rumors started again right away after uh, – LSU lost their opening game uh, 
in in Green Bay against uh, Wisconsin at Lambeau Field. Uh, all right, well, that's it for Les Miles. They're going to hire Jimbo Fisher. Uh, Jimbo Fisher took a program at FSU that had slipped dramatically uh, uh, in the last years of Bobby Bowden. They, the Seminoles, by the end, were a pretty average team. And Florida State went about that the right way. They, they brought him in as kind of the designated successor. Um, everybody knew he was going to succeed Bobby Bowden. It's the same thing that the uh, University of Texas tried to do with Will Muschamp, but then the Gators hired him away. But anyway, it got a little messy there with uh, Coach Bowden at the end. He was forced out uh, a year before he was uh, wanted to go. But then once they got all that smoothed out and, and uh, Bobby Bowden, thankfully, is, uh, is, is kind of reemerged uh, with the Seminoles nation and, and all is forgiven. But then you realized why Florida State wanted Jimbo Fisher, because his recruiting is off the charts. As Ira mentioned, tremendous in-game adjustments. What struck me at the Ole Miss game, as, as bad as Florida State played in the, in the first half of that game, when they did one of those little on-field interviews as Jimbo was heading uh, to the locker room at halftime, he was totally in control. <laughs> he, he, was, he was already, you could see the wheels turning. Uh, I, I'm sure he didn't go in and scream at his team at halftime and just came in and said, all right, guys, this is what we're going to do. And they came out and and they really uh, took that game over. So he's not going anywhere. You know, uh, college coaches judge programs like how far can I go with this program? Jimbo Fisher's already knows he can win a national championship at Florida State. He makes all the money in the world. So why would you go anywhere else? Why would you go to that madhouse at, at LSU where they want to fire you if you have to punt your first series of the season. So, you know, get over it. Jimbo's staying, and uh, Florida State knows what they have there. Just for the record, Jimbo Fisher earns a little over $5 million as a base pay. He um, had a contract extension in 2015, and uh, that goes through 2022. The buyout on Fisher would be somewhere in the neighborhood of $5.4 million just to buy him out. So uh, I, I, I demand to see the man's tax returns, uh, Jim. I demand. <laughs> you know what, Ira? We'd probably get a better chance of getting Jimbo's than we would Donald Trump's. But uh, <laughs> since he's a state employee, he actually has to show them to you. So right. there you go. Anyway, no, that's uh, – no, you're right. That – it's funny. Some of these schools, like um, LSU, automatically think, or that you know, that they're going to just walk out and pick up a name, who whatever name that is thrown out of the mouths of some of these boosters. And it's uh, these contracts are pretty, uh, pretty extensive. Uh, I think if you ask Jeremy Foley, you know, the extrication of Will Muschamp uh, was not an easy deal to make. No, and and the coach, the schools are willing to spend major money for the coach that they believe can get them where they want to go. 
because of the amount of money. It's, it's an investment. The amount of money that that coach can bring in to not just the football program, but the overall athletic department far exceeds the amount that he's being paid. So it's an astronomical sum of money, but that's the world we live in. And when you get a guy like Jimbo Fisher uh, with the proven record of success he's had, um, you go get him and you keep him. And that's what Florida State will do. And, and it takes a big commitment, Jim. You're making a huge yep. commitment to these big name coaches. And, uh, and, and both parties understand what's going on. That's Ira Kaufman. And along with Joe Henderson, I'm Jim Williams. You're listening to the Sunshine Boys podcast on Sports Talk, Florida.com, and BlogTalkRadio.com. Guys, we also have another big game. This one's uh, this one's not a game that you would expect to see. These guys that wouldn't play each other unless they played each other normally in a bowl game. So, uh, Joe, since uh, you know, since you and Urban Meyer are such good friends, I thought it'd be a good <laughs> opportunity for you to um, lead us into uh, the Buckeyes taking on the Oklahoma Sooners. Well, uh, I love I love this matchup, uh, and I I commend both schools uh, for signing this contract. Seven uh, thirty uh, Saturday night, I believe it's on the uh, Fox Network, and you got two dynastic powerhouse programs going against each other. A little little desperation time for Oklahoma because uh, of the week one loss to Houston. And uh, if, if Oklahoma loses this game, they're done as far as, uh, as far as any playoff hopes go, they will, uh, they will have effectively been eliminated. And so they'll have the home crowd going for them. They'll have all that motivation going for this is a a pretty young Ohio state team that uh, can be very good. Um, will be very good. Uh, Outstanding defense by the Buckeyes. Uh, Their defense has not given up a touchdown in, in their, in their two games so far. Um, And uh, there was an interesting sidelight to this, that uh, getting ready to play Oklahoma, they uh, urban Meyer called his old buddy uh, and former uh, offensive coordinator, Tom Herman, who is the coach of the Houston Cougars. And said, "Hey, uh, give me a little insight how to beat these Sooners." And uh, so, I don't know, uh, you know, what kind of knowledge uh, Coach Herman could uh, could drop on Urban, but I'm I'm sure it didn't hurt. And uh, but I would submit to you that this game is far, far, far more important in the in the big picture uh, to Oklahoma than it is Ohio State. Um, Ohio State can lose this game, not that they're going in with this attitude, of course. This is, you know, the old sports commentator talking. But the Buckeyes can go into this game knowing that if they lose, uh, people aren't going to hold it that much against them. They'll say, well, it was Oklahoma. It's a tough place to play. And they've they've still got the Big Ten schedule ahead of them. If they can – can navigate the rest of the way and beat Michigan, they'll be in the playoffs, uh, assuming they win the, the Big Ten championship game. But Oklahoma, you lose. You're one and two after three weeks. Bye-bye. 
Well, they're, um, they're playing the game in Norman, which I think is going to be something that uh, is a good omen. Uh, and Ohio, Ohio State is a uh, an overwhelming favorite in the game. They're a one-point favorite on the road. So, uh, <laughs> As my old buddy Warner Wolf used to say, if you had one point in Oklahoma, uh, you know, you, you won. So, uh, no, I think that, it, you know, you're right. I mean, Oklahoma cannot afford to lose another game and expect to be a, a national title championship contender. Uh, but I, I want to see how the Buckeyes play on the road. And I think, uh, I think that is going to be an interesting concept for them. They, you're talking about young teams, Joe, as you were talking about, and Ira, I want your opinion on this. Young teams are great when they're at home because they've got that, there's that comfort level around them. You really want to see them tested on the road. And I think that this, that Oklahoma will be a good test to see just how good these young kids at Ohio State really are. Gentlemen, the, uh, the Norman conquest is on uh, in full bore. Uh, Mr. Williams, I want to point out to you that uh, these young Buckeyes as a program have won 18 straight road games. 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next best streak in the nation, I believe, is about seven uh, on the road. Uh, that goes to the point, Joe, that Urban Meyer, whatever you may think of him, is one heck of a college football coach. Uh, they've already got seven picks. They've outscored their first two opponents, 125 to 13. I haven't said that, guys. They haven't played anybody. We'll know a lot more about the Buckeyes after Saturday night. I just think they have a better team than the Sooners. Two very good quarterbacks, J.T. Barrett, OSU. Baker Mayfield has a lot to prove, Joe. He didn't play particularly well in the opener against Houston. Uh, And preparing for Baker Mayfield, Joseph, uh, on the OSU side, is one Mr. Greg Schiano. Who is co co defensive coordinator. Jim, you ever heard of a college team that's got two defensive coordinators? Shiano can't no, even get that really. right. Uh so Greg Shiano's gonna earn his stripes uh Saturday night because hey, Mayfield's a threat. He's a threat throwing it, he's a threat running it. Um uh, I don't think this is one of the great Oklahoma teams. Uh, Houston put them in their place. Now Houston's good, no question. Uh and I know the game's uh, uh, in, in a hostile environment on a Saturday night uh, where uh, Jim says these people get in a frenzy, uh, maybe drink a little too much. Um, I think Ohio State takes care of business, gentlemen, uh, and ends, uh, ends the season, uh, in essence, for Sooner Nation, Jim, before it even, uh, before it even begins almost. Well, Ira, I think it's going to be a wild game. There's any question about that. And I think that uh, um, your analysis of the Ohio State Buckeyes, I think that they're going to go out there and have a, a fun time. But I think that um, I think it'll be a close game. But I think, uh, again, I, I agree with the two of you that Ohio State has got a little, a little bit more firepower than does the Oklahoma Sooners. I'll tell well, you what, uh, folks. Go ahead, Joe. 
No, I was just going to say, if um, Oklahoma, uh, after making the playoffs uh, last season, falls out of it this early, um, college football being what it is, that'll turn the heat up on Bob Stoops, and maybe they'll try to hire Jimbo Fisher. And there you go, the Jimbo Fisher carousel. <laughs> there we go. Jimbo Fisher to Oklahoma. Yes. There yes. you go. LSU, where else is he going to go? Where, Auburn, Auburn, you know. He's going to stay in Tallahassee and win another national championship, likely. <laughs> Guys, I'll tell you what. We talked about the two big games this weekend. There's plenty others to be talked about. But let's step aside as you're listening to the Sunshine Boys podcast on newssportstalkflorida.com and blogtalkradio.com. Let's pay a couple of bills. We'll come back, and we will talk more college football with Joe Henderson and Ira Kaufman. Welcome back to the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host, sports director of SportsTalkFlorida.com. Along with me, the Sunshine Boys themselves, Ira Kaufman, Joe Henderson. We talked about the two big games this weekend in college football, but there's uh, also a plenty of other things to be paying attention to in college football. And uh, locally, Joe and Ira, the South Florida Bulls go on the road and they play Syracuse. And that's going to be a good test for them uh, as they get ready to uh, come back home and, and play FSU in their big game. No, well, Joe, Syracuse, Syracuse can't possibly be as bad on defense as they looked last week. Joe, they can't. I mean, sure they can. Eight hundred and forty-five <laughs> yards is outrageous. Um, well, you didn't stop but, anybody, and and Joe, I, I got to think that uh, you know, I think USF can put up a, a forty or fifty spot uh, at the Carrier Dome. I know it's noisy, it's hostile, um, but you and I have talked about the explosiveness of the Bulls' offense. Uh, now, having said that, they better not be looking ahead to the Seminoles. Um, you, you know, you know Taggart better than I do. Uh, you tell me whether he's got this team focused uh, on the task at hand. Uh, but on paper, Joe, uh, USF should, should not have much of a challenge uh, Saturday. Well, um, uh... I don't know the, the, the point spread. I'll leave that up to our resident point spread checker, uh, Jim, to uh, to let us know. I know USF is favored. But you say that uh, Syracuse defense can't be as bad as they were against Louisville. That may well be true, but USF has that same type of up-tempo, go-go-go offense that uh, Louisville uh, used, uh, the same type of dynamic playmaking quarterback in Quentin Flowers. Um, they put up 48 last week on Northern Illinois without Marlon Mack, their all-conference uh, running back, uh, record-setting running back. He didn't play uh, because he was under uh, uh, had a medical issue. So South Florida should win the game. Uh, should win the game handily. They are they're scoring a lot of points. Uh, they are a a matchup nightmare. For most teams, uh, I think Florida State will figure out a way to match up with them. But uh, but you you raise the great point that this is a team that needs to focus on Syracuse. 
and you start thinking about Florida State maybe on the plane ride home after you take care of business up there. Uh, Willie Taggart has stressed that this week. He said, we're not, we're not even thinking about Florida State. We're not talking about Florida State. Uh, we play the team in front of us, and the team in front of us is Syracuse. Now, all coaches say that, uh, but I think Taggart has shown here in the last uh, year plus that uh, he has control of his team. He has his, he has their full attention. So I'm I'm thinking USF should go up there and win the game fairly handily, and uh, then we'll get ready for a good game next week. Not that it um, matters because I know that this is only for recreational purposes only, but the uh, South Florida is a 14-point favorite on the road. Uh, there you go against Syracuse, that, and that I shows don't know you how, how that shows you how both programs have uh, have either uh, progressed or regressed, uh, uh, Jim. You know the Orange Men uh, they used to be respectable, and uh, yep. boy, they are they are in a rut, Jim. Well, I just Boy, got this. I just got this news that came across the wire that Jim Beheim is going to be their defensive coordinator for the rest of the season. <laughs> well, here's uh, here's the thing, though. Syr- uh, Syracuse, that's a Power Five team. Yep. ACC, and uh, so obviously South Florida is trying to uh, to get into one of those Power Five conferences, and uh, you know, they're football wise. They're going to be able to say, "Look, look what look what we did against these guys," uh, and you know, uh, obviously that's why the Florida State game looms very, very large uh, in USF's future. But that's a week away. We'll we'll uh, focus on the task at hand. But uh, gentlemen, there's another very, very good game uh, on Thursday night tonight. Now we are. We are recording this podcast on Thursday morning. Uh, so by the time some of you hear this, the game will, may already be played. But you've got Cincinnati at Houston. Very, very good game. And uh, Cincinnati will go down there, and they gave Houston all they wanted last year. Uh, I think it was a three-point game. Uh, Houston uh, understands that this this is going to be a huge game for them to build on the momentum that they have got started. People are starting to look at Houston as uh, possibly a a playoff contender, and that would only be enhanced if Oklahoma were to beat Ohio State. So maybe uh, maybe the uh, Houston shouldn't be helping out Urban Meyer with uh, much information there because they really need Oklahoma to win. Oh, there's no question uh, about it. It has the look of a shootout, Jim. That that game has the look of a shootout, I think, Houston-Cincy. Um, and may I remind uh, Henderson that the Cougars are, are playing the Bearcats and not the Bengals. So um, I certainly expect uh, Houston to take care of business uh, at home. But as Joe said, uh, Cincinnati is a viable uh, underdog. Uh, they've pulled upsets in the past. Um so I don't think it'll be a cakewalk, but uh, Houston's firepower uh, is, uh, is is a lot to handle. Well, Cincinnati went into um, uh, Purdue last week. Now you say Purdue, but that's a, a Big Ten program, Power Five program, and they went in on the road and uh, absolutely annihilated Purdue last week and uh, intercepted 
uh, had, I, th I believe it was five interceptions in the game. And uh, so they're not going to be intimidated by, by playing Houston. They know they can go toe to toe with those guys. And uh, so I'm anticipating a, a terrific football game. I'll tell you what, I think you could take Purdue and Indiana for the big 10 put the, the best athletes they have together and they still wouldn't be Houston. Probably not, <laughs> but, but there you go. They, see, they are the, the, the power five. You know, the, we're in the big 10, you know, right. and outside of the elite teams in the big 10, the big 10, once you get past the Ohio state, Michigan, Wisconsin, and uh, maybe Iowa, Michigan state's good. But the, but the bottom half of that conference is, is, piddling to mediocre and uh and certainly purdue is in that uh that lower category yeah i, I hey jim uh, jim i'm in the mood uh, i'm in the mood for a cupcake um uh, and so that kind of reminds me of uh the gators playing north texas uh jim um, uh, i thought you were going to say about the hurricanes going to uh, you know uh, no no uh, i got hit, hit the road for mind. appalachian state but uh, okay no I, I that's a whole different ball game we're, we're okay. going to get to that one but uh jim that program won one game last season one yep. north, north texas um now Matt I, have, Wayne, I have a grand uh, i have a niece who uh graduated from north texas state so i'm very familiar go. with the bean green uh jim you know McElwain's doing all the right things uh, I guess they they won by about 28 points last week, the Gators, and you know, McElwain's calling it one of, the, one of the worst performances he's ever been a part of. And, right. and I understand that. You know, Joe, that's classic uh, coach speak. Uh, poor mouth, yes. And, and <laughs> Poor mouth. We'll know more about the Gators. They got Tennessee, I believe, next week. Uh, LSU, Georgia down the line, of course, Florida State. Um, but this is a breather, uh, pure and simple. Uh, and I dare say, Joe, that if the Gators don't win by 40, uh, McIlwain will be screaming uh, all week uh, about this uh, performance. But, uh, you know, this one, uh, I, I don't think we got to spend too much time on North Texas, Joseph. Well, the Gators, uh, after a, frankly, embarrassing opening game against UMass, uh, rebounded nicely against a, uh, a really awful Kentucky team. Uh, right now, I would put... Uh, Kentucky high on the list of uh, schools that will be trying to hire Jimbo Fisher after the year. There you go. There you go. But uh, the, you know, the Gators did what they had to do, and and you 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 know you're one and zero in 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 your division in the SEC, and that's never bad. Um, the goal this week is uh, you don't want to get anybody hurt, and and you want to come out and play crisply, and. Uh, let a lot of guys see some action and, and go ahead and, and just, uh, you know, kind of take care of business. Uh, you, you know, you've still got um, huge hurdles down the road and starting in a week when they play Tennessee. So, um, you know, as, as an, a non-aligned observer, I won't be paying too much attention to that game. Uh, Saturday, uh, I'll be watching Ohio State and Oklahoma instead, and uh, occasionally glance at the score, and I expect to see uh, the numbers uh, rolling for the Gators like it's a pinball machine. And Joe, if, if Antonio Callaway is not 100%, and I mean 100%, uh, I'm not playing him in this game. I mean, that would be foolish. 
No, uh, if he's 100%, you might want to get him a little work just to, you know, uh, get him out there almost like a preseason game in the NFL. Let him, all right, you play a right. uh, play a, a few series. But, uh, no, I agree with you completely. you got to be careful there. What about Del Rio? Do you guys play Del Rio the whole game just to get him some more game reps? Or you just, uh, like you were just saying, Joe, do you play – uh, like a preseason game and play him three quarters and then check the backups. Well, I think the with what the Gators went through last year with quarterback roulette, mm-hmm. you never know when you're going to need uh, the backup quarterback. Right. So I would take advantage of a of an opportunity to get uh, the backups some as much playing time as possible. Plus, again, Del Rio is your guy. Played pretty well last week against Kentucky. You don't want to risk injury. And I know that's a that's a negative way to think. You never go into a game saying, oh, I hope I don't get hurt because that's the best way you, that you get hurt. But as a coach, you know, you, you hope you jump on a, a, a team like North Texas early. Uh, you walk into that swamp uh, at Florida and uh, – We've all been there. It is one intimidating atmosphere, especially at night mm-hmm. uh, when they when they start playing that video on the uh, on the stadium of uh, jumbotrons of the of the Gators free, feeding frenzy, uh, and they and they come out to the uh, the theme of Jaws and the, and uh, the crowd goes berserk and the visiting team runs out and. And the fans are all chanting Gator bait, Gator bait at them. That is one tough place to play. And uh, if you're the if you're the Florida Gators, that's as good a home field advantage as there is anywhere in the country. You know, Jim, uh, Joe's right about Del Rio. Although you could argue, you could, that he needs the work. You know, uh, and 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 you know, just as a confidence boost and and to sharpen his timing. Um, the, the risk far outweighs the benefit, Jim. So if the Gators are up, you know, 41 to 10 uh, going into uh, mid-midway third quarter, um, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling them. Um, there's bigger fish to fry, Jim, down the road. What you guys think of, uh, by the way, just you're listening to the Sunshine Boys podcast on this. SportsTalkFlorida.com, BlogTalkRadio.com. What did you guys think of the uh, – Tennessee game uh, against Virginia Tech at Bristol Motor Speedway. Well, I I thought I was glad that I didn't pay money uh, to sit three counties away to watch that game. Uh, the, the folks in the cheap seats, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what they saw. Probably looked like little Pac-Man down there on the field running around. But uh, give Tennessee credit. They 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 go down 14 to nothing. Um, Coming off uh, a very uh, shaky opening game, uh, they're they're down in the polls. Looks like it's starting to get away from Butch Jones, and they answered like championship football teams are supposed to answer, and came back and and won the game going away. That was impressive for Tennessee, and I think after a game like that, uh, if you're a Tennessee fan, you can you can breathe a little sigh of relief that. Maybe uh, they are capable of living up to the preseason hype. I don't know what to make of the Vols, Jim, because they've been very, very uneven. Um, 
and I don't think Uneven's going to cut it uh, next week against Florida. Uh, they 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 can look very good, or, or they can look like um, you know they they got twenty two freshmen out there. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't know what to make of Tennessee. I don't think overall they played as well uh, as the preseason pundits think they they should have uh, at this point. Uh, but they're still standing, Jim. So we'll see who's the pretenders and and the contenders uh, shortly. Well, I was I was kind of. Uh fascinated by them playing a football game at Bristol Motor Speedway. I thought that was kind of a cool thing. The, the amazing jumbotron that hung above the stadium. Uh, I'm not so sure something that big is something I want hanging above my head. So uh, <laughs> a lot of people staying out of the middle of the, of the field in that game, but uh, it's pretty wild stuff. Ira, you were talking about cupcakes before the University of Miami Hurricanes go on the road to play App State this week. You said you had some comments on it, so go for it. You know, Jim, everything I've been reading about this matchup, again, on paper, it's Canes, Canes, Canes. I understand that. But everything I'm hearing is that I believe it's Boone, North Carolina, Joe. Boone, um, Mm -hmm. which is out out in the boonies. Um, Great great ski country uh, there in in February. Um, The whole town's in a frenzy. Guys, uh, they've been talking about this game for six months. Uh, here come the Canes, uh, you know, in, into Little Boone, North Carolina. Tickets are going for seven fifty, guys. If you can get one, um, everybody's all in on this game from Appalachian State standpoint. Uh, they won eleven games last year, albeit they weren't playing, uh, you know, the Hurricanes every week. Uh, Miami's been okay. Um, we'll see. But, Jim, Appalachian State, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, didn't they go to the big house uh, years ago and uh, pull off one, one of the memorable shockers uh, in, in recent memory in, in college football? Um, oh, that, is not a bad, that is not a bad program, Jim. So I wouldn't take them lightly if I were the Kings. Oh, I don't believe they are taking them lightly they're foolish if they do uh the uh you talked about the game in the big house how about the game in the uh to start this season in the southern big house when they went in front of like a hundred plus thousand in knoxville tennessee and and took the volunteers into overtime and really should have won the football game Um, that's right if miami doesn't realize what they're in for uh Shame on them, but I, Mark Richt is is too smart and too good a coach to uh, to not uh, have his have his team ready for that. I think they said the the stadium seats like twenty four twenty five thousand. They said it sold the game sold out in about an hour. Uh, people are are going crazy on that. But here's the thing too, is um, App State runs the triple option. Right. And you don't see that much in college football anymore. So now if you're Miami, you're going into a, a madhouse to play a game against a very good team that is not going to be intimidated by you and that believes that they belong on the same field with you and has the talent to back it up. And they're running something that you never see. And you've got a week to prepare for it. Good luck. Uh, 
this game, uh, you know, logic would tell you Miami's going to figure out a way to win the game and probably will. But I'll guarantee you Mark Richt is, is burning the midnight oil this week because Miami has everything to lose and really not that much to gain by playing this game. And I bet he's looking at whoever scheduled this game years ago and goes, thanks a lot. Now, <laughs> you now, know? Joe, they, they have a seasoned quarterback, Joe. That, that's going to help Miami uh, in, in a tough situation. Uh, you know, they have an experienced uh, guy under center. That does help. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I don't, I don't really think you can underestimate the Mark Richt factor. I really like Mark Richt uh, as a, both a human being and, and a, and a head football coach. He is, he went through the SEC wars. He's seen it all. Uh, There's, there's no situation that he can't look his team in the eye and say, okay, this is how we're going to handle this. He will have them prepared to play, but the team on the other side of the ball like like Ira said, they've been jacked up for this game. They've had this game circled on the calendar for months. And, um, you know, that would be such a cool thing to, to see, to be, to be live at that game. Because, uh, you know, the App State team is going to come up jacked up out of their minds. They've got, they've got great skill. And be afraid, Miami. Be very afraid. This, this game has the potential for disaster for Miami. Hey, Jim, you know, it sounds like Henderson's laying the groundwork for uh, Mark Richter to replace uh, Fisher at, in Tallahassee. That's what it sounds like. I, well, know, uh, he is his agent, so I would think that's probably a pretty good shot. No, I think he'll replace Willie Taggart at USF after Taggart replaces Jimbo Fisher after Fisher goes to Oklahoma. There you go. I got it all, I got it all worked out. And then Stoops will get the job at Arizona State because they always hire Stoops. So yeah, there you go. What about we got tying up the bow here on the um, on the weekend for the local college teams? UCF hosts Maryland after uh, going to the big house and picking up a check, um, <laughs> which is about the only thing they picked up in that game. And uh, it, it's kind of. It's kind of a weird situation because DJ Durkin, you know, is the new coach at Maryland. And, um, you know, so far so good. But, uh, you know, your resume when it has Howard and Florida International on it, and uh, they've won by a combined 93 to 27, isn't exactly sitting here going, well, let's see what we can do, um, you know, when we head out on the road and play play UCF. I think uh, they're lucky in that UCF uh, doesn't seem to be tremendously improved over last year's team. Well, you said that... um, Go ahead, Joe. No, I was going to say, you said um, UCF picked up a check at at Michigan. I think they also picked up multiple contusions and uh, and bruises. Uh, They got just drilled in that game, and that shows the talent gap uh, that exists there. So. New coach for, as you mentioned, both schools, Scott Frost at UCF. He's got a lot of work to do and to rebuild that program. It's hard. It's hard to believe that just a few years ago, this team was, was winning the Fiesta Bowl and have a, a Blake Bortles as a, as a, what the number four overall draft pick, whatever it was that year, four or five. 
by Jacksonville. The 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 talent has is going to take a while to replenish. Um, you know, Maryland, like you pointed out, they haven't really beat anybody yet. Um, you would maybe assume Maryland would win the game. Um, one thing that they have done, the the Terps, is they haven't turned the ball over yet this year. No. So uh, if you don't make mistakes and, you know, usually the team that makes the least mistakes is usually the one that wins. So I would look for Maryland to win the game, but uh, – Frankly, I don't think either of these teams is going to make much noise going forward the rest of this season. No, I good think start for that, good start for that Maryland coach, Jim. Good start. Uh, I'm not sure we're going to know that much more about the Terps uh, after this game. Well, they run a spread offense, so I'm not so sure that that's something that um, that Central Florida wants to see where a bunch of people are running around and have to, have to catch them because that – they had that problem last week against Jim Harbaugh's team. And, man, Harbaugh's team had so much speed, and, and Central Florida just couldn't keep up with them. Well, and then also let's not forget that uh, US, UCF's uh, quarterback, Justin Holman, yeah. um, uh, his status for this week, we, we don't know if he's going to play or not. He, he missed the second half of, of the beating at, at Michigan with the – Looked like he maybe had a hamstring injury, something like that. Um, so uh, that'll be, be probably one of those vaunted game time decisions that uh, coaches like to make. But uh, you know, it's there's there's a there's a lot of obstacles for UCF to win this game. Let's just put it that way. Before we guys, before we get out of here, guys. Um... Let's leaving the politics aside, the uh, NCAA taking the championships out of North Carolina uh, puts the ACC championship football game on the road. And right now, according to multiple sources, three places are being uh, looked at. One is in Orlando, but there's two high school football games scheduled during that time. Landover, Maryland, which they would play the game at FedEx Field. And the other is, of course, Sun Life Stadium down in Miami. Uh, any thoughts on uh, where that game's going to land? I would I wouldn't count Orlando out, Joe. I wouldn't count Orlando out. Games can be shifted. Um I I like Orlando's aggressiveness, Joe. I, I think um they're very proactive. They they go after whatever they can get their hands on in, in Orlando and they've been fairly successful at it. Um great location in the middle of the state. I can't stand FedEx Field, Jim. I don't know what you feel about it. Uh Snyder can't wait to get out of there. Uh, I think it's uh, it's a monstrosity, and um, it wouldn't shock me, Joe, if that game ended up in, in Central Florida. Well, frankly, it would surprise me um, because um, uh, whether you like FedEx Field or not, uh, it's still uh, in the heart of ACC country. It's it's right there. Uh, you know, logistically, it's it's a lot easier. Uh, 
for people to make there now, unless of course Miami's in the ACC championship game, but uh, I can't really see them coming to Orlando. They might, uh, like you say, Orlando is being very aggressive, but uh, this does speak to uh, the boldness of the ACC uh, making this political statement. And I know we don't want to get into the whys and wherefores of it, um, but I did find it interesting, uh, and I'll just leave it at this, that of all people uh, who spoke out against uh, his own state uh, and their decision on, on this uh, transgender law was none other than Mike Krzyzewski. Uh, he called it embarrassing for, for the state. And so uh, social change once again finds its way into to sports, uh, as we've seen all across the spectrum this year with the, the NFL and the anthem protests. And now this, uh, sports is a catalyst for change. Uh, seems like it always comes to that in some way, shape, or form. Absolutely. By the way, guys, just for the record, uh, Raymond James Stadium um, in Tampa, they took themselves out of the running right off the get-go, saying that they wanted the stadium to be in good shape for the college football playoff championship in January so that they, they uh, declined the opportunity, as did, by the way, Foxborough, Jacksonville, Atlanta, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. All who had professional football games will be, be, be uh, coming up the following, uh, the following day. So uh, that's why we're looking at three different sites. Uh, a number of other sites were automatically taken out because of um, commitments they had on the uh, on game day in that situation. So it'll be interesting to see I, uh, if they can move those games or if they pick Landover because, um, Joe, as you said, uh, they have now with Boston College, with Syracuse, with Pitt, West, um, and of course the Virginia schools, um, there are a lot of people who would like to see that game in a more central location than where it is right now. So anyway, guys, uh, we're coming to the end of the Sunshine Boys podcast here on sportstalkflorida.com and blogtalkradio.com. I'm Jim Williams, your host. Joe Henderson, Ira Kaufman, the Sunshine Boys with me today. And guys, Final thoughts on uh, this upcoming college football weekend, uh, weekend three in the college football rankings. Um, I, I just think the FSU-Louisville game, Joe, it's an early season game uh, with a lot of dynamics to it. Uh, you know, can, can, uh, can FSU – Stay with this high-powered Louisville offense and this quarterback that's putting up scary numbers. Um, and, and FSU counters with, with a freshman that has all of uh, a couple of games under his belt. But I've learned, Joe, and you've learned, uh, don't count out uh, the powers of, of Jimbo Fisher uh, in, in a big game. Uh, I would agree. And... Um... But there's another game we didn't talk about that is just that is is going to be interesting, uh, and um, it is the uh, Ole Miss Rebels and Alabama this week. Uh, Ole Miss has beaten Alabama the last two years. 
Alabama is 28 and one over that period against everybody else in the SEC. Uh, and they are against everybody else, excuse me, since the start of the uh, 2015 season, they are 0 and 2 against Ole Miss. And the, um, you know, this is one of those teams that, uh, you know, if you're if you're Ole Miss, you're going. You know what? We we let the Florida State game get away from, from us, but nobody's going to remember that if we beat Alabama. Uh, let's go get them. So that's a that's a great one to watch. Yeah, that's that's going to be fun, uh, especially if uh, Ole Miss would happen to pull the upset. That would be. Uh... Then I guess well, you, Jimbo Fisher would be uh, looking at the would, Alabama job. He would be the, the, the logical choice to succeed Nick Saban uh, right. at that point. Right. Um, but let me ask you this, Jim, uh, real quick. If if Ole Miss beats them for the third year in a row, could at that point, would it not be an upset? I mean, you know, it's to me that becomes a trend. I'm, I'm, I would say at that point that they have not only – entered uh nick saban's head they built a condo there so um yeah that would be that would definitely be a trend Uh, i guess alabama would then have to circle that game on their calendar every year to make sure that hey we better get up because we're playing Ole miss again but that'd be fun if they won yeah absolutely so all right guys um social media time where um where can we find gyra on social media you can always find me at uh, at Kaufman seventy six, Jim, and um, we will be back next week to uh, to break it all down on on the pro and college level. Absolutely, Joseph. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the initial J Henderson Tampa T A M P A. And you're going to be watching. We're all going to be watching the FSU game against Louisville, and then probably that evening checking out what's going on with uh, the Buckeyes and the Sooners out in Norman, Oklahoma. So plenty of good stuff to watch. And I know that South Florida fans will get a kick out of watching the game out of the Carrier Dome in in Syracuse. And trust me, it is wonderful to go to Syracuse, even though you're playing inside. Much better to go, you know, on the second weekend of September than the third weekend of November. Uh, So... And and yeah. I can verify that because I have been to Syracuse on the third week of November, and it's no fun. Nope. This is the last. <laughs> this is the last week of uh, of fall slash summer for Syracuse. It it becomes winter soon there. There but, you go. Uh, we'll we'll see if they if they can do it. We pretty sure that they're gonna come back with a W and hopefully a W without anybody hurt and uh, and also with uh, that will set up an FSU. USF game that will um, be one for the ages, we hope. Well, look, we appreciate you joining us today on the Sunshine Boys podcast. So for myself, Jim Williams, your host, for Ira Kaufman, Joe Henderson, we hope that you enjoy watching your football this weekend and come back and join us next week on the Sunshine Boys podcast. 